You're listening to Tone Benders, the sound designer's podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to Tone Benders. My name is Renee Coronado, and with me today, as always, it's Tim Muirhead. Hey, Tim. Hey, Renee. How you doing? Uh, and we have a special guest, field recordist and sound designer, Watson Wu. Hey, Watson. How are you, man? I'm very good. How are you? Doing great. So of a little while back, I was in, in the throes of crunch time, and Tim sent me an email um, with some footage that you had put up of doing a car drop. And then I... I and he said, we need to talk to Watson about this. And I said, absolutely. And then I completely forgot. And then independently, I saw something else that you put up on Instagram of the car drop again. And I emailed <laughs> him and I was like, oh my God, we have to get Watson on so we can talk about this. <laughs> um, so here we all, all are today. You, you were doing car drops. You were doing it for the game Ring of Elysium. Um, let's talk about what your role was on the game and, and, and what, what the process was of, of getting sounds for that game. Sure, sure. Um... So if if you were to purchase all the needed sounds for a game, um, you might have to purchase this library or that library. And they're very inconsistent as far as what kind of mics, placements, distances, the, the way the location sounds. So um, Tencent approached me and said, we need all these sounds recorded um, so that uh, we have all the needed sounds and we don't have to go and scour the world to to find those sounds through libraries so they tasked me to to really source them out and record them for for the big title and you did weapons and and vehicles right yeah weapons vehicles uh suspension sounds um tire sounds tires on multiple surfaces uh and car crashes so yeah it was it was a big big project how, how far along the game how far along was the game in development when you got contacted for it uh, it was pretty far into it. Um, I, I think just, just like a lot of companies, unfortunately, sound is always forgotten or, oh, yeah, we need sounds now. Oh, we have to ship mm-hmm. in six or eight months. Oh, we better get started. So when they contacted me, they said, we need to start this right now. So we, we did a short, fast negotiation and uh, we, you know, I, I called my contacts up and got this going. So there were a lot of weapons, a lot of different vehicles, um, and they, they were pretty specific what, what they wanted. Um, and some that I interjected based on my experience, what might sound better. I love the example of how kind of last minute it was, is that you had to go and record a snowmobile, but it was July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, was, uh, it was comical. I, I met... I uh, met one of them when I was in Hong Kong, and he said, hey, we want snowmobile. And at that time, it was Mother May. And I'm like, you know, June's around the corner, and I'm pretty sure North America, we, we won't have any snow anywhere. And uh, while we talked about it, we just need the sounds of the snowmobile. We could add sounds of the snow later on during post, uh, add into the game. So, yeah, I, I, I called everyone, and everybody was like, you know, it's not snowing anymore. I said, yeah, I, I know it's not snowing, we, we, but I need the sounds of snowmobile. I said, well, it, they're in storage. So well, I understand that. I want to pay you to bring down the storage, pay you real money, and pay somebody real money to operate it while I record at a very quiet location. So I, I found a place in Montana, uh, and I flew out there to capture snowmobiles without snow in July. 
Yeah. So how did you go about doing it? Um, well, um, you know, this place rents out in a service snowmobile. So we found a quiet location and we lifted the rear end so that uh, the track could freely run. That way you could really capture the actual what the snowmobile does during the performance. So I had microphones on the vehicle and uh, close, far, and uh, medium distances away so that if you, if you were riding a snowmobile, you're going to hear other people approaching you with different snowmobiles so that you can hear them coming closer and closer to you so that you need to, you know, get out of the way to survive. It's a survival game. So you, you're hearing the onboard and then hearing the externals coming towards you or not. So we had to capture all those sounds needed for this game. So we should mention real quick that you did a blog post with Audio Connect that uh, has videos of a lot of these recordings. And we will put uh, a link to that blog post up on those site on our site for this episode. So if you go to www.tonebenderspodcast.com and navigate to this episode from Watson Wu, you can find the link and go see all the videos of a lot of the stuff that we'll be talking about in the next little while here. This is Watson Wu. I am in Bozeman, Montana to record a snowmobile. So as you as you were getting your coverage, did the did the designers and the implementers kind of already have an idea of what they needed, or did they have to collaborate with you as far as like what kind of coverage they needed for you know functional vehicles in the game? Uh, both, both. You know, a lot of designers have a lot of ideas, but sometimes they they don't work in the real world. Um, so they said we want this close and we want that far. I said well that far you're you're not going to hear it. I mean, snowmobiles can be loud, but but they're not like a NASCAR race car that you're going to hear a mile away. So I told them, you, you have to be a lot closer in, in reality to get the real distance sound. So I, um, you know, I know what my microphones can do. So I, I chose ones that made it sound like it could be quite further away than what they are. So... Um, yeah, so I had to tell them that you know we're, we're not going to go that far because if you do, you can't crank up the recording gain. You're going to hear a lot more hiss than snowmobile. What kind of mics did you use? Uh, wow, there were so many. Um, I I have um, you know the the Neumann 82i uh, shotgun mic, which reaches really far and it's very direct. Uh, I think I think that was the furthest mic. I have the Sennheiser 418s. Um, I I just I love MS stereo mics, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that uh, you can really take advantage of uh, mid and side and combine for narrow or wide stereo. So I'm a huge fan of MS. Um, I had a Pearl microphones brand. It's a Swedish mic for the um, close distance. So again, you have the mid and side to for, for processing. So yeah, why why record mono when you could do stereo really and take advantage of all that? Um, and on board, I had um, um, the DPA forty sixty one. I had um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. There were so, so many things used. 
and so many things have gone by since since then, uh, last year. So, yeah, th- those are the, the basic mics I use for for that particular uh, session. So I've heard of that Pearl mic, but I haven't heard it. Uh, it's it's actually you know it's it's one of those that I don't get to get to see very much out there. What's your what's your impression of it? Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's 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 always with me. Um, it it is the mic to have. Uh, it, it's it's so small. Uh, I think it's only seven and a half inches long, and it's an MS mic. So uh, what's great about it is it captures incredible high frequencies. So if you you know, thinking back, I wish some of the rock bands would have recorded their solo guitar, those high-pitched solo guitars, with that mic, and it would have been more pleasant to listen to those solo parts. Um, you know, this doesn't hurt your ears. So with this microphone, you can capture all that and also capture the lows. So and I think it's it's one of my favorite Beach Waves microphone. Um, if you if you watch Castaway. A lot of the beach sounds uh, use that uh, same brand uh, model microphone. Uh, so if you watch Castaway again, listen to the beach sounds, it's very, very pleasant, uh, very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I, I just love that mic. Nice. And it's, it's small. You can always take it with you anywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I love the conversation about the, the mic, but honestly, I, I want to get into the car drop. So, like, to, to get into the actual car drop... Um, you know that my that's one of my personal holy grails. Like it's something that I've never had the opportunity to do. I would do it without a project. I would just do it just so that I could say I did it once. Um, and I've had the hardest time figuring out the logistics of it in my part of the world. So what I'd love to hear from you is your your thought process and 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 the actual kind of people process that you had to go through to to get the car drop happening. Yeah. Well, there, there are. A lot of junkyards in in Florida and various parts of America, but it, again, it's it's location. Um, is it quiet on certain days? Is it uh, on, on those certain days? Are they quiet enough? So, um, and also based on the game, uh, the game, I asked Tencent to send me videos of the actual vehicle crashes into each other into objects, and it was yeah third person point of view. So I, I lay my microphones based on you know, those those short distances, but not from a first-person point of view. Um, so I ask a lot of contacts, people who are into construction, who know other people, uh, race car people. So through a friend of a friend, got me in touch with this uh, junker in Miami uh, that allowed me to rent them a whole day on a Sunday when they're closed. And... Knowing Miami, Miami is not a not a quiet place. But on a Sunday in this industrial area, it is very quiet. It's quiet enough that when the car impacts on each other on the ground, it just that's all it is. It's just a car crash without traffic in the background. So, and the the location has pretty high walls, I guess, uh, to prevent theft and uh, things like that. So uh, we were able to rent it out and select a middle location to do all the uh, drops drops of the cars. So, yeah, I, I was uh, fortunate to know certain people who knew certain people that, that could give me access to for me to pay them for that service. And they had a great time doing that. So did you pay them, like, up front? Like, do you get a receipt for this, or is this all under the table? Like, how, how above board are we going here? Oh, yeah, it's all, it's all legal. Yeah, not, nothing's illegal. <laughs> so I, I give them a check, and... <laughs> 
we shake hands and uh, yeah, I told him I, I give him a check when we were done. Excellent. Uh, my friend uh, trusts him and my friend vouched for me. So, uh, and they, they got to see what I do through my website and social media. So they knew I'm legit. I'm not just going to drop a bunch of vehicles for fun, <laughs> but, but, but I'm having fun as well, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, to, to capture the, the, the essence of a real car crashes. So yeah, I was fortunate I got access and I have a new contact from that. So for future crashes, I, I will go there again because they, they were very accommodating. For my, for my needs. So how do you go about picking the state of the cars you're going to crash? Do you want one that's already beat up or do you want as pristine a body of the car as you can find? Uh, well, you, you definitely want vehicles are very heavy. Heavy. Heavy as in more than 4,000 pounds heavier. So we, we chose the Chrysler Pacifica. And uh, moreover, these cars don't really have a great resale value compared to a Camaro or, or a Lexus, uh, things like that. So they, they were like, hey, let's do Chrysler and Dodge today only. I said, that's, that's fine. If, if they're heavy, they make a good sound, let's go ahead and drop them. So uh, they said, yeah, if, if you get a door from that Camaro, well, that door could resell for 800 bucks. I said, wow, that's, that's actually pretty good, just for one door. So they said, yeah, let's go ahead and do the Dodge and Chrysler cars. So, and by dropping them for me to hear, I, I liked how they sound. That's how they sounded. So let's, so let's do it. Let's, let's crash those Dodge and Chryslers. Did you have to buy the cars that you were crashing, or was that were those just junkers that they that they were making available to you? Uh, those are the ones they made available for me because I, I did ask yeah. what what kind of cars. They said, "Well, I could we could get you a bunch of different kinds. We could get you trucks, sedans, a van, so that you could get different different weight." different hollowness or thickness. And uh, I, I like what he said right there is that he could, he could find those for me so that I would have different kinds of sounds. And now that was one thing I asked for in the beginning is that if I do this, uh, can I get different kinds so that I would get different kinds of sounds? So yeah, they were very accommodating to, to do that for me. So we're in uh, top secret recording area, right? We're gonna drop cars on cars. We have microphones all over the place to capture all the impact sounds. And I just want to spell out for for the people listening because that hasn't that haven't watched the footage. Um, so the the technique that you were using was you were using a forklift, lifting the cars up on the forklift with a strap around them, and then just with with you know with strength pulling on the strap until the car came off the forklift and fell down either straight onto the ground or onto another car. So it's not like you know it's not like they were in their in the cars like driving them and crashing them. They were lifting them on the forklift and dropping them. Um, and yeah, when we picked up the the with the forklift, I told them if you if you could teeter it forward enough that you know you don't need ten men to pull the car down, but maybe two two people can pull the car down. So that's, it's, it's teeter enough. So, so of course we want pure crashing. We don't want the sounds of, uh, of a forklift engine on, exhaust on, just a pure crash. So yeah, by using the safety belts um, and long thick ropes, we can pull them down, uh, uh, be in a safe distance to do so. Yeah, what other safety considerations did you, did you have as you were setting it all up? Well, I just told the guys that let's, let's watch how the cars crash first. 
and then we'll figure out don't get any closer than that. And uh, those guys who work at the junkyard, own the junkyard, they know that you know how close to get because you know, they've seen the accidents and things, things like that. So, um, you know, one of the things I was hoping to find when I was scouring the world is that I could find a a, a crane that could really pick up the car really high. Yeah, big magnet. Exactly, and just just release. But the problem is that if you if you drop them really high. You know, the cars, they're, they're almost like American footballs. They don't land in the same place every time. They're going to bounce all over the place, which could be far more dangerous. And, you know, I, I love my microphones, the, the Sennheisers, the, 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 the Neumanns and things like that. Um, so, yeah, we, we figure out, you know, if we could drop from here, we could still keep it under control and do it again all day long. Was this your first time dropping cars with this technique? Um, no, no, it, it's actually my second time. Other other times was more experiments and, you know, the, the option was there, the availability was there. So I went ahead and tried it. So I've, I've done some libraries where I may, uh, you know, design crash, crash sounds. But yeah, this, this is the, you know, thinking out loud, thinking creatively, how can I get pure crash sounds without any engine sounds? So... Yeah, you know, yeah. a long time ago, a long, long time ago, I, I did work in a warehouse briefly, and I did operate in a forklift. So I knew that you could tilt the, the forklift. So, well, well, we'll give this a try and see how it goes. And uh, the owner's sons were there, big guys, so they helped my friends out who could uh, pull the ropes together to get the car down. So it worked out really well. How big of a crew was it? How many of you were out there working? Uh, I brought uh, three guys with me. And uh, the owner had his two sons. So, yeah, we just interchanged. And then when my levels were great, uh, sounding good, I went ahead and uh, chipped in as well. You know, because I, I wanted a chance to pull down the car, too, you know, and uh, do that. <laughs> and what was your mic setup for uh, the car drops? Um, well, knowing that, you know, again, cars won't drop perfectly all the time, I, I chose... A Audio Technica BP4025, an XY stereo mic, mm -hmm. just in case the car went to the side and I did use my Sennheiser 14S uh, MS mic. I uh, used the, uh, the the Pearl as well, and uh, and also the, the Neumann 82i uh, shotgun mic. Um, yeah, so so that you could you could get all the coverages from, from XY, MS, and direct uh, mono shotgun. Um, yeah. And then do you want to tell us the story of the microphone that you put inside oh, one yeah. or two of the cars? Oh, yeah. yeah. This, this is, uh, That's what I was going to ask. Did you have some stunt mics going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so prior to this, I, I asked Rode Microphones if they could cut certain microphones for me to make them smaller so I could conceal them maybe in the back seats or on the dashboard of vehicles. And instead of doing that, they they went so far as to design two new microphones for me. And they were very kind to name it after me. So there's the Rode Woo One uh, Omni Dynamic Microphones. And I said, hey, guys, that's, that's so cool. But, you know, I'm probably going to kill these mics <laughs> by putting them in the vehicles and dropping them. And they said, we don't care. I think they, they thought it was just so cool. If they if I kill the microphones, they would make more. 
So, um, yeah, they were they were so kind. So I, I thought about it. If I, if I put it in a car, I wouldn't want cardioid. I want Agni so I could pick up all the sounds from crashing yeah. the vehicles and the dynamic to be able to, to handle the high SPO. Did you have to put a recorder up there with them too? No, no. I, I ran a real long uh, XLR cables into it. I, I used actually some of my cheaper XLR cables. No Mogami cables. <laughs> uh, no Canaries. That's smart. Uh, but but I, I have other ones that are inexpensive and they sound great. Um, most people can't tell the differences between that and a Canary or or Mogami. And you know what? That that, that those those mic cables survived also. So I, I was very uh, very surprised. So yeah, I, I tethered the mic uh, with the cable, and uh, if you watch certain parts of the videos, you'll see that the cable is hanging on the, the right, uh, left side of the video, so that uh, somebody's holding the cable and just sort of like letting it drop, letting the. Uh, it's almost like a, almost like a cast net when you go fishing. You know, you you yeah. hold up to the rope so that it doesn't go all the way out, and you lose the entire cast net. So. And I, I told the guy who was holding the cables, I have, don't hold on to it. It's going to drag you to the car. So, but but uh, just let it go where it's going far enough, but not all the way. Because so, I knew it would probably get pinched and we might have to cut some of the cables and start over again. So I brought much more of the inexpensive uh, XLR cables. But yeah. So, but yeah, the, the Omni Dynamic. Um, yeah, and I, I knew it would it would do well. I didn't know how well it would do. So, um, great experiments. You know, I, I wanted that in-your-face car crash sound to add it to the mix, even though it was a third-person point of view. Um, and uh, I think it really worked out. I mean, playback, it was scary. It, it was literally like you were in a car accident. You know, just somebody punching in your face in a car. <laughs> wow. it, uh, it, it's got you kind of scary sounding, but they, they, they love the sound. It's great. How did you approach level setting? Did you do do you approach your limiters at all, or or do you cut with a whole lot of headroom on it? Um, I knew that from from my experience, I did not need limiters. Um, for that session, I used my seven eighty eight T SSD sound devices, and so that I I didn't need it. Um, now, if if the cars were dropped from a crane a lot higher. Yeah, then I would use my 442 mixers or 744 recorder uh, for the uh, you know very close perspectives. But yeah, I, I just just by year, a lot of things just by year, um, you know, turning the gain up and down to find the sweet spots. Uh, just just from the experience of that. So how many cars did you drop to figure out and set your levels? Uh, one car. Yeah. After the first car, you're good to go. Yeah, right. Right during the first car, I was ready to go. And uh, I, I knew that from from dropping at a height, nothing was going to go higher. And the the truck was already very heavy, so that I right away could could set my gain very very easily, um, just just from the experiments I've done. That's cool. Thanks. How how long was a reset? Once a car has been dropped and it's on the ground, like how long until you can get another one up? Um. The the owner you know, is is a pretty good uh, operator of the forklift, so he was able to get it up within a few minutes. Wow! So once once the car drops, you want to definitely, you know, if it's still in the right position, you could then, you know, tie the safety rope to the back side, 
backside from the people pulling the rope. That way, when they pull, it's going to tumble, which is one of the things we want to do. Um, so, yeah, once you set the rope up, and then the forklift operator could back up and raise the car up again and teeter it for, for the next uh, drop. How many times did you drop each car? Wow. Let's see. I think we did about eight hours. We just kept going. <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, we, we did so much that you couldn't recognize that it, it was a van or that was a truck. Um, so, um, so I guess what I'm asking, is there a point of diminishing returns where like the first time you drop it, you get great crunches and then after a while it's crunched up enough that it just kind of smacks or yeah. does it keep offering new sounds each time? Uh, most of the time it kept offering new sounds, you know, especially if you tumble. Tumble, it's always uh, an unknown. How will it drop? Will it drop this way? Will it keep tumbling when it hits the ground? When you so when you say tumble, you mean kind of making it roll? Is yeah, that what you yeah. mean? So if you, if you pull, if I was pulling the car from the ground and I, and I, and I see the vehicle in front of me up on the, on the forklift, I want the rope to be tied to the back end away from me. So when I pull, the, the car coming down, it's going to roll towards me. So it's not just come straight down as though you were just pulling from the front end. So if you pull from the back end, you're going to roll the car almost in the air. So when it hits the ground, it's going to keep rolling. That way you're going to get more crunching sound, more glass breaking, more metal grinds. And that just uh, makes it more authentic. You know, if you've seen horrific videos of accidents on YouTube or on news, yeah, the, the cars, they don't just hit and stop. They hit and roll. So that was my idea is that, hey, let's, let's, let's get this rolling. Because based on the videos from the game company, yeah, the, the, the car crashes. They don't just sit there. They, they roll and move. They're going to go down the hill, down the creek, down the, down the mountainside. So they, we <laughs> all of that yeah, as much as possible. So, Did any of the rolls like, surprise you as far as where the, where the car ended up landing or where it ended up stopping? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there were there were fails where, where we were dropping them next to the to one of the big dumps, dumpsters they had, and it went into the dumpster. It didn't hit the car below it. <laughs> you know, so it's like, wow, it's it's almost like doing a skateboard grind. It's 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 a, it's grinding on the dumpster and keeps moving away, and uh, and it's going into the dumpster instead of underground. And there were other. There was another time where the ver, the van was coming down. It crashed onto the car, but it kept rolling, and it came within like a foot of my my beloved Sennheiser 418s. You know, that's another favorite mic of mine. And we're like, whoa, whoa! It's like, hey, guys, just don't go near it. Don't try to save the mic if it's coming towards the mic. <laughs> you want to save yourself. So. Um, yeah, that was a scary moment when it kept going, but at the end, it stopped short before hitting the the mic and the mic stand. So, whew, that was that was a that was a relief. <laughs> so, how does a setup like that compare to, say, a weapon shoot? Because in both cases, it seems like you're dealing with, you know, limited limited iterations, right? Because weapons, you know, cost money to fire, and you also got a really transient sound. You're 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 out in space. Um, you know, I see, I've seen people, you know, take, take Nagras out and take tape decks out to, to record weapons with, um, did you approach it in a similar way with regards to the vehicles? Um, yes and no. 
So, you know, we- weapons to me are very controlled. You know, my, my armor guys are very good. I tell them to shoot, they shoot. I tell them to put it on safe, they put it on safe. I tell them to angle a little more to the left, two inches more to the left, and they do so. They're very good at what they do. I tell them to fire, they wait a few seconds of silence, then they shoot. They don't fire right away when I say fire. So they're, they're very good, and I, and, I, and I appreciate them doing that. For, for all distances of, of weapons, um, it's always fixed for what I do. I know some people will record weapons. Uh, let's say it's, it's a full automatic. They'll, they'll record from that same position. And then when it's all done, they got what they wanted. They'll have the shooter walk you know, maybe 10 yards further away to get more the middle and far perspectives of that same weapon. Um, I do mostly fixed position. I have the shooter stay at the same place the whole time because um, I know that that far distance microphone sounds great from that position. That exact position. So if you move further away to the left and right, well, they sound kind of boring, you know. And so the, the sweet spots are gone. Whereas dropping cars, it's middle distance and far. So hence, that's why I brought the XY and the MS microphone, so that if it drops more to the right or more to the left, those mics will capture those sounds. So the car crashing, it's a lot more hit and miss. Whereas weapons, I'm getting exactly what I want based on my fixed positions. Mm. So um, you want to capture as much as possible for both weapons and car crashes versus, uh, you know, uh, vehicle sounds. You know, trying to avoid wind sounds, trying to uh, avoid road noise for onboard vehicles. So, yeah, two two very uh, different approaches. Um, can we just unpack something you said a little bit earlier in that answer? You talked about with you, when you're recording weapons, you're, you really trust your armors. Is that because you've coached them up or did they come ready to go? Like how, how much training did you have to do to get them to be so reliable? Some are better than others as far as <laughs> teachable. Yeah. No, it's a, it's like I, I, you know, when I, when I spoke in a particular conference, I said, you know, don't, don't bring special forces with you. Or a gun shoot, because they're they've they learned to they're trained to shoot and change magazines so quickly that 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 single pure gunshot is not usable. So you want you want to bring guys who are who work with with TV shows and movies and, and sound, for example. So when I say shoot, they wait. Or when they hear airplane, they stop shooting. Right? And so these guys with electronic earmuffs, they can hear normal sounds. But when the gunshot goes off, something loud, those hearing uh, areas shut off. So those guys are aware that I don't want airplanes in my recordings. Right, guys? So, I, um, yeah, some of them I, I coach them a few times, and they got it. Some of them I have to remind them once in a while. But I've encountered some that are not teachable. It's like, hey, you know, when the gunshot goes off, especially in the desert, we have 14 seconds of of a reverb so you gotta have patience don't move don't do heavy breathing until i say okay so if you if you watch the other videos you'll see you know uh, me you know doing the cue of fire shoot and and when the echo finally dies off i say okay then they relax or change magazine or, or breathe 
So, yeah, some some guys are easier than others, and um, I unfortunately I have I found really good guys. And was it similar direction with the card drops? Was everyone basically following your command as far as when to when they could make noise again and 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 move at the end of a at the end of a card roll? Yeah, yeah. Um, right away in the beginning, you know, everybody gets excited. When a car crashes, you want to run up there with your own smartphone and take, take videos of the destruction. So um, I told those guys right away after the first job, hey, don't move. Don't move until I say, okay, because those microphones will pick up what you're doing. And I tell them, I could hear your heartbeat. I could hear your breathing from, from that particular mic. So then they, they believe me and they, they you know stay quiet like, like I'm like a little mouse. So yeah, so those guys were right away. They got what I was doing, and they stayed very quiet. And so I said, "Okay." So can you uh, coach up that cat to uh, follow? <laughs> yeah, that cat. <laughs> hey, quiet. <laughs> now, Tone Vendors has uh, got a long history of cats and dogs in the backgrounds of interviews. So <laughs> that cat is more than welcome. Yeah, sure. <laughs> How did you approach monitoring? Um, what what kind of headphones do you use? Do you, do you do you wear headphones when you're doing that? When you're doing that kind of work, like how do you approach your listening situation? For for the vehicle crashes? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. The I, I use the remote audio headphones. Um, they they basically have this Sony, um, you know, uh, speakers inside. It's seventy five oh six, and the remote audio high noise model. They, they're very good for, they're, they're made for gunshots, race cars, aircraft. So, and if I'm in a noisy environment with a lot of people, um, traffic, if I want to do playback, those are the best headphones to use. And you, you could scream all you want and shout. I could still hear when I'm, you know, doing, uh, doing playback. So yeah, those, those headphones are really necessary to hear all the details of, um, of what each of the microphones picking up, so yeah, I have two pairs of those, and they're fantastic for for really critical listening. You know, they're very flat, so they don't they don't they're not like Beats or Bose. <laughs> they're 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 true to what you hear in real life in my ears. So, do you get fatigued easily wearing them? Like they're the, the anyone who's not familiar with these headphones, they're very uh, they're super closed. They're heavy uh, headphones on your head. To, do your ears just start sweating like crazy? Are they yeah, yeah. fatiguing? I, I, I sweat very easily. And, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, so, so yeah, uh, some days are better than others. I could wear them longer. But, but if, you, if, you, if you attend any of my weapon shoots, for example, I'm taking them off. I'm putting them back on. I'll, I'll take the right cup off uh, and listen to each cup individually sometimes just to change up the sounds. I want to hear what's around me. And also, what's what I'm hearing through the microphones. So yeah, I move them around. I don't put them on the entire time, um, just just to hear what's going on. Um, so I might, I might hear something different from hearing it outside versus putting them on. And I'll, I'll, I'll switch the microphones around. I'll change the angles and the distances. So yeah, those those are great. But yeah, they they are tight. Certain people can't wear them. Certain people could wear them all day. And uh, I think I've gotten used to them. Um, I think with a baseball cap, they work better. <laughs> you know, mm. being being bald, uh, they they sort of, yeah, they could pinch you more than people like Renee. Renee has a nice head of hair, so he could probably <laughs> wear those longer than I can. 
I'll tell you something. They are not comfortable if you're wearing glasses. Yeah. Oh, I bet yeah. not. Yeah, I've I've tried to deal with them, and I, I either have to fly blind or deaf with those. I can't can't be seeing and hearing at the same time with those ones. Yeah, yeah. I've I've tried a a really inexpensive Alesis. Remember the brand Alesis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have like this this cheap headphones that are made for like drummers, and they actually work. They they actually protect my ears, but you're you're not going to hear the full frequency that you can with, with the remote audio brand. So if, mm-hmm. if you don't have the budget, the Alesis will protect your ears. Uh, I used it for my January shoot, and uh, they worked out really well uh, as, as a backup. So I was like, hey, let me, let me try these now and see how they do. And I was able to hear and not hurt my ears. So they, they're more forgiving to put them on. So you, uh, Timothy, might try them you know, for, for your glasses. Yeah, they're on the list of things to look up. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna try. Or they, I know, I know, Shure has these uh, SC eight forty eight forty six earbuds that could cut out as much as thirty seven decibels, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. Wow! I'm gonna get those pretty soon and try those and see how they fare for for a weapon shoot or another crash session. Yeah, I know Nathan Moody runs some of the in-ear monitors too. I forget what brand it is, but they're the they're the brands that they um, you know the rock star drummers all wear. Um, they're pricey, but they they do the same thing. They they just knock out all the sound. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've tried a few and I wasn't happy, but I heard good things about the Shure SC eight forty six. So I'm, I'm dying to try them. So, what was the the post production process like? Uh, did you did you find anything interesting once you kind of got all the sounds back into the studio and started cutting them up? Yeah, um, I found that, um, you know, sometimes you could really push more, push, uh, you know, raise the gain more to get that, almost like that control distortion sound. Mm-hmm. So I, I found that over the years of recording weapons and other loud things that uh, you could really push the preamp. And, and sometimes you could push the limiters even more. So um, what, no matter what the wave file may look like, it looks horrible compared to what we were saying <laughs> from the music engineer point of view. They may look horrible, but they sound great. So it's not about how they, how they look. It's how do they sound to you? Can you use it? So if you if you use a lot of channels, so what if two of the channels are distorting? But are they good distortions? Can you add them to the mix? And yeah, I, I found it out that some, some of the things you could do like the, the Audio Technica BP4025, uh, it's a very sensitive mic. I never use it for close or medium perspectives or weapon shoots because it's, 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 it can't handle it. But if you use it far enough, some of that distortion sound is pretty good, pretty, use, pretty usable. So I, I am very happy with uh, certain things I capture out there. You know, sometimes yeah. happy accidents. I'm reminded of the the dice weapon sessions where they had, I guess the uh, the video camera just crap mic and that thing sounded great too, as it was just splatting and blowing out everywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben Ben Mento, he loved. He was telling me he loves some of those auto limiting from like the Canon point and shoot cameras. Yeah. Uh, and at certain moments, uh, yeah, they do sound incredible. You know, I've used them many times for to to do behind the scenes. I'm like, well, that's that's usable. We're going to take that. We're going to take that overly compressed sound and, and, and use it in the game or whatever we're doing. So he's right. 
it, it's, it's about what you can get, you know, at the moment. So when you were finished recording all these sessions and you load them up into your uh, DAW, how many gigs of stuff did you end up recording with all these different mics? To- oh, I don't remember. It was so much. It you know for for a lot a lot of times when I'm working on a, a medium or big budget uh, game or, or film, I, I just buy a brand new external hard drive. You know, like, like a two or four terabyte uh, Western Digital Passport. And the, for the weapon shoot, I literally hand a copy to the client. You know, a lot of, you know, most, most weapon shoots, the client want to be there. It, it's like what Renee says, if it's a crash session or weapon session, it is every sound designer's dream to do that. So they want to attend. So they get a copy, I get a copy to, for safekeeping, just in case. So, um, I'm gonna say it, it it was uh it was under a terabyte you know, of raw recordings. Um, but yeah, it was a lot to to document and to really correctly name uh, and do do you know for the spreadsheet. Yeah. 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 So So how many days did you spend uh, documenting it all? Like just getting all the metadata in? Like I can't even imagine that. Um depends on what I'm doing. Um you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll speak to the mic, what I'm doing, uh, before and afterwards. And afterwards, it's because either I missed it in the beginning or the something happened. I'll say uh, at the end of the take, I'll say, hey, that, that sound at the end, it's the tire jumping out of the car and rolling to the right and spinning <laughs> until it stops spinning around. So so I might say stuff like that at the end. But a lot of times I'll say in the beginning, okay, take one, uh, Dodge truck falling on Chevy van, um, things like that. So that way, when I listen back, I'll go, hey, that's, that's what that sounded like. I remember that moment. It was tumbling on top of the van. Yeah, I like that sound a lot. I'll, I'll remember that for next time, you know, to do it like that. So um, right away, when, when I uh, copy files, I make a folder, and I'll say, I'll say maybe 788 for the recorder underscore and I'll put the order of microphones just for the folder. That way I could that way the folder is already named for that particular recorder of microphones and I can copy and paste. Um, that way I don't have to make the spreadsheet right away and it's already organized. And then do, do so with the next recorder. Um, and then when now that's all done, then I'll make text files or spreadsheets to document uh, what's going on, what what the microphones were used, how far were they, uh, what position were they uh, from the shooter's point of view, for example, from the driver's point of view. So all those things, that way the designers could say, hey, for the next project, can we use these? We really like what you did here. So uh, I think that's just very valuable. That way, 20 years from now, we could all recall what we did based on voice slate and documentations yeah that's the huge thing and it's something that you know when people are starting out sometimes they can they can get a little sloppy or a little lazy with regards to how they slate their stuff um but the whole tail slate thing is 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 just such a 
such an important thing that a lot of people don't even think about that they don't recognize that they can do is, you know, you can't anticipate what's going to happen in the future. So you can try and slate things as you anticipate them. But if something unexpected happens to stay in the moment, let the thing finish happening and then describe it straight into the microphone. And then before you, before you hit stop, it's such a huge valuable thing because inevitably as hours and minutes and days roll by, you're going to forget the details of everything that happened and having that, that kind of documentation is just super key later on. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done some recent jobs, some design work where client says, Hey, we need some animal sounds. Do you have these? I said, you know what? I did this like 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. I, I looked at my drives and found some and I heard myself in, in the recording saying, Hey, I, this is, the name of this chip. This is Young Watson. Yeah. <laughs> this is Watson with, with uh, some head hair. And uh, this is um, the name of this chicken is Chester. And, you know, <laughs> so so I, I heard myself say, you know, 418S using a Fostex FR2. And that's still a great sounding recorder. So uh-huh. so those recordings, they still sound like they're modern, not, not from a tape. And they're very usable for my client for, for the sign work. So, yeah, um, doing stuff like that, really, it's really valuable because who knows what, what 20 years later you might need some of those sounds. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a slate mic at the table when you're recording uh, guns, for instance, or are you just yelling out into the field? I, I, slates? I, if, if it's a setup like that, like, like weapons or, or, or uh, crash session, I typically try to sit close to one of the mics, one of the mid-distance microphones. I know where I'm safe. So if the car drops and tumbles many times, I'm still going to be okay. You know, hopefully, maybe that table I'm sitting by will protect me. Or, or I'll put a system... A table full of hundreds of thousands, well, not hundreds, exactly. thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear. Yeah, or, or I could put Jason, my assistant, in front of me. so he could. Oh, take, perfect. He could, he could take it for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I try to sit... Uh, close to one of the mid-distance microphones, so I could say and speak out loud. Well, some of, a lot of these old recorders don't have a slate mic built in that you could toggle off, like you do with a mix pre or FAN. Um, so you you do have to speak into the mic. So yeah, I try to always sit by a mid-distance mic, so I could uh, you know say what's going on. Watson, thank you very much for uh, sitting in with us today. You told us a lot of really cool things that I'd never thought of. Your idea of tying the rope to the back of the car before you pull it is really good. I'm not sure I would have trashed at least seven cars before I would have thought of that one. So that's really good. Uh, I want to thank you for coming back on the podcast. You were on an earlier episode, our roundtable about recording uh, vehicles. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on again and uh, hope that uh, we have you on again sometime soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I always have a good time uh, listening to you guys, uh, valuable information. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to, a while ago when I was, uh, you know, on the podcast with, with the vehicles, uh, roundtable, um, the right people heard and they liked what, what I said, I guess, uh, based on uh, my vehicle recording experience. And they decided to hire me just from hearing your program about my approach and how I record and how I document. And so I, I really appreciate that. You guys made a difference for me. Wow, that's awesome. And that, yeah, that's really awesome. So you got to do all the vehicle recordings for Baby Driver through that? Yeah, I did the, the stunt uh, vehicle recordings um, uh, after the shoot. So when they, when they stopped filming, uh, that's when I came in to, to record with the stunt uh, uh, driver. 
That's awesome. So you were recording during production for that? Yeah, during production. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's really cool. I love that movie. That's one of my favorites. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a great film to, to, to work on and to watch over and over again. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm blessed that to work on. Awesome. Well, thanks for jumping on, Watson. This is this was awesome. It's a huge inspiration for me. I definitely am going to go keep trying to work my contacts. I will find somebody with a junkyard and a, and a forklift at some point in my life before I die. And I'm, I'm going to follow in your footsteps on this one. Sounds good. And remember that no, when they say no, mean, no means not today, not this week, not this month. You know, just ask them again, you know, do something. Give them a gift certificate, buy them lunch. You know, you want to make friends with these people so they remember you on a first name basis. So that, um, hey, yeah, Renee, I remember you. Yeah, yeah, my junkyard, it's, it's free now. You can do that. You know, how, how much were you going to pay me? And let's do it. Yeah. So, they, they, they want to know they want to know that you're serious you know what you do you're not going to fool around that you're you're literally there to capture great sounds for what you do yeah so they have to understand that i am inspired i want to go i'm going to go start calling people <laughs> <laughs> do it do it you know you you can get other recorders involved and, and there are people there are people who are like you want to do that yeah let's do it and they, they a lot of times they'll, they'll do it for free or yeah. they'll have you just pay for that one car. You know, how, how much is a junked up Dodge? Think about it. You know, it, it's, it's kind of worthless. Yeah. If you pay for their time and fuel, it may be a lot less than what I pay for. So, yeah, I would do it. Cool. Yeah. Well, Renee, when you get it set up, give me a week's notice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tim and I have still never met, so there, there, there's, a, there's an excuse. It's great. So I'd like to give a special shout out to João Bastouche, a freelance sound designer and sound editor working from Porto, Portugal. He did the editorial on this particular episode. He's a big fan of the podcast and he was a volunteer and we're very appreciative to him of that. The easy way to connect with him for work or not is via his Instagram at João P.M. Bastouche. That's J-O-A-O-P-M-B-A-S-T-O-S on Instagram. is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or B&H or leave us a tip. Just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. 